the two extremes in the generations. One looks at, say, the young end and feels, oh, they're not really trying. They don't want to do a full week. They certainly don't want to stay after hours. And I am guilty of looking at previous FDs and thinking, well, yeah, you are clocking off 15 minutes early today. Why aren't you putting in the extra hours? Why don't you just do that little bit extra to show me how good you are? Do you know? What's really interesting is when the psychologists, and again, generalization, yeah, bell, yeah, bell yeah. curve distribution, when they look at the baby boomer era, they are the most financially secure and the most depressed of all the generations. One thing I've heard a lot recently is, you know, follow your passion, follow your dreams. And <laughs> if you basically do that, then money will look after itself. And, you know, I don't know if that is a Zoomer thing, because for me, it's kind of just like, <clears throat> listen, you need to find something that's going to pay the bills. Hi guys, and welcome to the final episode of season one of Dentistry Unmasked. Now, through all the episodes that we've done this season, I've really, really learned a lot. And I've saved this episode till the end because uh, the topic of this conversation is pretty much the reason why I started doing this podcast in the first place. So we have an NHS uh, dental service, which is in crisis. Uh, we have an abundance of NHS jobs and uh, supposedly an abundance of dentists, but those jobs are not getting filled. Uh, you know, younger dentists in particular are not wanted to take these jobs. Many more experienced dentists have actually moved into private practice. And the younger dentists also want to just start off in private practice. So the whole purpose of this podcast was to understand the nature of the situation and, and really, really try and get to the bottom of why uh, the attitudes of the younger dentists are different towards, uh, you know, NHS dentistry to what they were before for dentists of, say, my generation. I'm 20 years qualified. So this conversation was a great one for me because it kind of just tied it all together. Uh, we've got Tony Colcoin, who was my, uh, uh, original scheme advisor when I first qualified 20 years ago for the juice, in, in, for the juice scheme in the Yorkshire Deanery. So he's a, he's a baby boomer. Uh, I, I'm just, uh, on the tip of generation X, uh, not quite a millennial because I don't have that technological upbringing that, that a millennial would have had. And then we've got Iman Khalid who joins us again. She did a podcast with us uh, talking about her experience in dental school, but she is just on the tip of being a Zoomer. So we've got three generations of dentists here, all discussing, you know, what motivates us to work, what we look for in a job, what we look like, uh, what we look for in a work-life balance. So, um, yeah, have a listen. Uh, I'd love to hear what you think as well. See if you agree with some of the topics raised. Uh, but I must say for me personally, I'm much more sympathetic now towards, uh, you know, millennials and, and Gen Z because, um, you know, they've got a completely, completely different way of looking at life and different challenges and, uh, different wants and needs from their, from their job. So, you know, where we find ourselves now, uh, in the NHS recruitment crisis, I think, you know, well, let's let's let let's let you make up your own minds what you think uh, should be the solution going forward. Enjoy the listen, and hopefully, we'll see you for season two in twenty twenty four. Have a good one, guys. Tony, welcome back. Hi, I'm in. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Welcome back to Dentistry and Mast, and uh, no, thank you for agreeing to come back again, giving us your your valuable time. So uh, last time. We were talking and talking. We could have carried on talking for another three hours because we had so much to talk about. But uh, one thing that we talked about off air afterwards was, uh, you know, the difference between the generations and, you know, the attitudes of 
graduates in my era, your era, and Iman here has kindly decided to, not decided, has been asked to stay back and join <laughs> in on the conversation, I should say. But what we wanted to boil down to and what we were talking about last time was, you know, this generation, this generation right here is oh. the most stressed generation that yes. we have. Yes. And the expectation, and, you know, we had a revealing conversation earlier about, you know, what the expectation is about working life, what the expectation is about how many days we want to work, how much time we want to spend with our family, you know, having days for admin. Whereas I was willing once upon a time to work seven days a week to make a living, you know. You eight days a week, that. surely. If there was, <laughs> an, eight, lazy eight, just doing if seven. There was an eighth day, we would have worked it. Yeah? You just think that's even, even God rested on the seventh right? day. That's what they said. <laughs> even God rested on the but seventh you're saying day. That but on man, Thursday afternoon. Honestly, would, we, we, my generation, you know, dogs from my friends, colleagues, peers, everybody, we were just ready to just get out there and just get out there and work. You wanted to make the money, yeah? didn't you? Absolutely, we did. And you see, this is what we were talking about last time. As a generation, that was the norm. That's what we all wanted to do. To, 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 to somebody like you, it's kind of just like, that sounds nuts. Why would you ever yeah. want to do that? Like for me, I say, because yeah. uh, no more than a thousand new days per day that you work and no more than four clinical days a week is what I suggest. And I can, see the, wisdom. I can see the wisdom in that. I can see the wisdom. If you because... work effectively, you can make as much money in four days as you could do in five. No, I see the wisdom. Well, Maybe. Maybe. There is there is a study. No, there's stuff out there that says that, isn't there? There's a study on it. There's stuff out there. Study on it. Study. And I'll buy stuff out there. There is something. No, but 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 I think what it boils down to, and this is what we were talking about off air last time, which is why I said, Tony, we need to talk about this again. Come back on air. Sure. Was you're very very good at at, at teaching. And 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 telling, uh, <laughs> you know, because uh, this dynamic that you were just yes. talking about about the fact that you know you have a, a trainer who is of generation say X say, and then you have a, a trainee who is of generation what we're calling it now generation Z, right? Millennials, whatever you want to yeah. call it. Please let's let's tidy up some of this terminology and then. Tell us what is the difference between the generations in terms of aspirations. He wants me to do the the day's presentation in in an two hour. Minutes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the, well, maybe 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 half an hour. So, <laughs> so the thing I would yeah. emphasise is um, you'll read all sorts of things about generational differences. Yeah. And particularly, you'll hear the term millennials because uh -huh. they get a lot of stick. And what you have to understand about anything that's population based is there's a bell curve yeah. distribution. Yeah. So when they talk about, um, oh, I don't know, aspects of different generations or observations about different generations, you must always caveat that with. So it's a bell curve. Yes, two thirds might be sat under there. Yeah. You've got tails at either end. Mm -hmm. And what I find fascinating now, because you know, I'm looking even further ahead at things, is how some people can be of a, a chronological age of one generation but they behave as though they were brought up in another. So not everyone's backgrounds or cultures or experiences are the same. So that's why you have the two tales. Mm -hmm. So just bear in mind now when I sort of give some brief resumes of things, yeah, yeah, of course. they are generalizations. There will always be exceptions. Generalizations are good because the generalizations well, will help us understand, <laughs> help me understand. So they're summaries. Absolutely. They're yeah. summaries. But so if you go right back to what are called the baby boomers, where they were born kind of before 1965. I know that probably, that's last century, isn't it, for a start? <laughs> yeah, so before 1965. The reason they're called the baby boomers is, you know, the wars had happened, economic recoveries had happened. They kind of arrived at the best time. Property was cheap. 
uh, jobs. You could swap jobs for what you wanted. There was enough money over to save into pensions and have a little bit of fun. But there wasn't international travel or the global aspects we have now. So that could have been the seaside at Scarborough. But, you know, mm. that was luxury at the time. They're now, let's say, in the 60s. And other generations look at them and go, oh, well, you had the best time. Mm -hmm. You, Your houses cost a few thousand quid, <laughs> you know, Um You've got them all paid off now. You've you've got either a final salary pension or a pretty darn good pension. You've got this spare money. Every time I see cruises, it's two-thirds full of older people because <laughs> uh, you can afford to go off for months now. And, yeah, great. Uh, but you've also ruined our environment. You've put all this pollution in, making all this money in industrialization of the world. You've sold your property for... God knows what, half a million when you bought it for... Pennies. <laughs> 10,000. Yeah, relatively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and so you kind of have that little bit of resentment. But if you look at how they sort of were brought up, the culture they were brought up in, it was like work hard, maybe play hard a bit, but definitely work hard. It was normal mm. to work late. Mm. It was normal to do tech paperwork home and do it at the weekend and not be paid for it because it was seen as also oh, you committed to the, the job, job, the company, the whatever. And when it came to a promotion, those sort of things, although not written down, Maybe were personal bias mm. and taken account of, well, he or she does more than average, you know, they do it all right, let's promote them because that's what we want. Someone's going to work even harder for us. And so their family life suffered, their personal life suffered, very stressed very used to a hierarchy, you know, boss at the top, mm -hmm. they're maybe somewhere in the middle or at the bottom. If someone asks, jump, you ask how high, you don't ask, well, why am I jumping? Isn't it better to go over here? You know, so that is what they are used to, almost militaristic style. And just to come sort of right to almost sort of the other end, uh, Generation Z at the moment, mm -hmm. who were born 95 to 2012, so they're now the 12-year-olds to 26-year-olds, you, you know, that the Generation Z, nicknamed Zoomers. Mm. Um, they've been brought up with online collaboration, working together in teams, uh, sharing knowledge. In the baby boomers era, that's like, what, you'd even like revise together and you'd even share ideas and all and it's like oh that's cheating yeah. you know you had to do it on your own to prove you had the self-worth and knowledge and da, da, da. and so they were very, they seem very blinkered to the current generation z at the moment mm -hmm. okay also generation z what's a house cost now mm. what's the deposit most people can't afford that on their own so you're looking at both partners working yeah. whereas back in yeah. Uh, the baby boomers day, Just you know, the husband works, work, yeah. you know, and and they could and you only needed one wage and that was fine. Yeah. But now, how can you afford life if, say, both aren't working part-time sometimes, yeah. especially if you've yeah. got aspirations, you want a, a, a decent house, reasonable area, half-decent school. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> the expense it doesn't go away, does yeah, it? No. And you're qualifying with debt. You have to pay for your dental education, yeah. living expenses, and so on. Yeah. Whereas the baby boomers, they got free education. Grants, indeed. Lucky. Yeah, they even Lucky got paid Lucky. to go. Yeah. But only one or two percent were allowed into university, you see. So yeah. that, you know, so there's, there's pros and cons. But can you see how at the two extremes in the generations, one looks at, say, the young end and feels, 
oh, they're not really trying. They don't want to do a full week. They certainly don't want to stay after hours. And they're just not as committed as we were. And then you put the goggles on the other way and it's like, oh, well, you had it all easy. You're financially secure. So, of course, you can be do what you want and go on cruises and stuff. But what's really interesting is when the psychologists, and again, generalisation, yeah, bell, yeah, bell yeah. curve distribution, when they look at the baby boomer era, they are the most financially secure and the most depressed of all the generations. The baby boomers. They generation. lack hope. Yeah. Who, who, who do, sorry? The baby boomers. Are the most the depressed. Boomers. Yeah. Yeah. That's shocking to me. It I is, isn't thought it? It's the Zoomers who were the it most is. depressed. Yeah. It is. And it just goes to show it ain't all about the money, then, is it? No. But it's about the that's... quality of life. But it's also then like, are the Zoomers yes. more open? And the studies to show it. I know you're looking at me like, I know it that can't is... be right because no. surely they've already been paid no, off and no, they've got no, all this no, time. Not at all. It, this, is the, I'm, I'm, this is why I'm here. This is, yeah. I'm a sponge. I'm learning. I, I want to hear all this. And it is just, it just smashes a lot of common preconceptions that yeah, yeah. do you think yeah. it's because the zoomers are more open to talk about mental health etc compared to baby boomers who would probably sweep it under the carpet there's, there's other factors involved yeah. um because yeah, it's definitely and i'm going i am taking the two ex, there's other yeah, generations so in between, in between yeah. who have different characteristics again on the My bell generation. curve distribution let's talk about me soon huh? but the bell curve <laughs> distribution is significant enough to note it in studies yeah. So you can say like two thirds show this trend and it's a statistically significant trend. Yeah. But of course there's exceptions either way. Um so I'm not I'm kind of on the borderline of baby booner stroke generation X, but I'm at the older end. Okay. But I've I grew up when there was no internet, no Wi Fi. Yeah. And yet I love all of that internet connection. So the dial up tone that rings the bell. <laughs> Don't pretend you know what that is. I do know what no, that is. No, really? I do know oh what my that God. Is. Oh, well. That noise, like, <laughs> it's like used to come through. Yeah, don't tell people that you're giving things away. <laughs> not quite a Zoomer then, huh? Not quite a Zoomer, no. no. Zoomer. You've just gone just slightly it's over It's one into, of those things, uh, like, mixed. when you ask a millennial how to, how would they do an action to answer a phone, they do this. Whereas a where where you ask a, a zoomer and they do this and they said oh how would you take a picture and then they they do this and then the other ones take a selfie like this mm. there's a, there's a video of two separate people doing it and showing mm. what they do so it's just how much change there actually is and just between millennials yeah and zoomers. It's, it's it's very interesting yeah. but um, so the thing is both generations you know on the extremes see the other as having an advantage that's unfair. And they see the other as somehow to blame for something. <laughs> mm. yeah. no, but they do. Absolutely. So, so, and again, I'm generalising. I'm not saying everyone's like that. But there is this tendency because you've come from such very different starting points and the culture of how you all interacted is very different. Mm -hmm. So at the younger end, they love collaboration, working together on projects and so on but maybe their attention spans a bit short. So they need a break and then start again. Need a break, start again. Finish at five, ideally quarter to five. None of this, oh, it don't matter if we run over till six, does it? You know, that would be, and the trouble is if you have uh, baby boomers, shall we say in charge of mm -hmm. uh, Generation Z, and there's this almost expectation, but not the communication of that expectation, then suddenly it's like, well, they're leaving five minutes early. 
And the no matter how well they've performed the, that whole day, that there's thing. a little bit of, well, they're lazy. They're yeah. taking shortcuts, you know. And in their world, the other way around, it's like, well, I was given a project. We got it done. Uh, we, we collaborated well. We had a little team meeting. We went off, did our separate bits, had a nice little break, came back, got it sorted, all put away for the weekend. Don't we reserve this extra 15 minutes as a reward? <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I saw that. I felt that. I could, I could see that uh, as a, when I was a trainer myself. Uh, okay. And, you know, maybe, again, I wasn't switched on to this. And I know that we did have the training as part of this. Uh, but still, emotionally, I wasn't switched on to this. And I am guilty of looking at previous FDs and thinking, well, yeah, you are clocking off 15 minutes early today. Why aren't you putting in the extra hours? Why don't you just do that little bit extra to show me how good you are? Do you know? So there is a generational thing. That look at that. Like you want to kill me. <laughs> no, no, no. Cause I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I think I'm, I'm a bit, because I'm always, I'm there before my boss at work in the mornings and I'd probably leave after my work. Boss, yeah, our, but that's bell because, curve, the bell curve. Yeah, you're not, you're not the in the middle of that yeah. bell curve. So maybe you're more Generation X than I you feel, are. I don't know, maybe. But, <laughs> yeah. I no, but feel, people will have traits because yeah. you've got personal values. So yeah. along with generational differences, yeah. you've got personal values, stage of life, you know, do you have family, don't yeah. you have family, uh, all this sort of thing. Um, you have the culture from which you came and the people that you mixed with then and now. Oh, yeah. All that has an effect. Mm. It does. And so that's why there's a bell curve distribution. However, as a generalization, yeah. you you can say, so the trend is for Generation Z to have these traits or tendencies. And the generation for the baby boomers or late Generation X is to have this trend. What's important in isn't sort of much pointing out the differences. It's recognizing that, saying, right, there needs to be better communication here to express different expectations at the beginning so I don't know if you remember in foundation training, we always had this initial, what do you expect from each other yes, in do. dental training? Yeah. And some of it will be technical, you know, like turn up on time and <laughs> fill out your portfolio and yeah. be nice to patients or whatever. Um, portfolio is bane of the life. <laughs> but some of it was also kind of what you're comfortable with, what you're not Relax. so comfortable with. Mm. Think about how when you need help, I always think it's better for the FD to be in control and bring the trainer in. Yeah. And I also think it's good to bring in the trainer and let them see good things you've done. Yeah. Because otherwise the staff and all the team go, oh, trainer's going in, something must be wrong. Because they only ever call them when there's something yeah. difficult or wrong. And sometimes you just want to go, what do you think of this? And so it's not all negative. Again, it's yeah. just you don't want to build up that negative reinforcement. So to me, communication, open door policy, mm -hmm. all of that improves. Now, you're still going to notice trends because yeah. you can't just make them go away. But they're not going to bother you because they're not a barrier anymore. Yeah. There's something that you've now negotiated through whatever your communication pathways are and you're open enough to address it with each other. So then if you did have a concern with an FD and you had good communication channels, you wouldn't mind pointing something out and that, let's say, oh, we notice you come two minutes before the first patient's in. Now, I appreciate you come a long way or whatever. Is there anything we can do to help with that? Because I always ask staff to come in at least 15 minutes before or half an hour before, and I don't want them looking at you and resenting that they're coming in. Mm -hmm. So that's my concern as a trainer. You know, how do you feel about that? And that would be something they have never even considered because they yeah. don't even get to play with that aspect, you know, because they don't run a practice or have staff or whatever. At the same time, 
they may say to you, look, I finished my patients, completed my portfolio. I even went around, did some of the things. I came and observed you twice. And, you know, it's quarter to the hour. And if I could leave there, I can get an earlier bus home because mm-hmm. not everyone has their own car, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. And you might go, yeah, but I'll make everyone stay till five. So there might be a little, not just compromise, but understanding and give and take. So the better that communication is, the better it overcomes what are also generational barriers if you leave them as barriers. That's the secret, really, is to know that they exist and do something about it. Hi, guys. Are you thinking about getting into dental implantology? Well, if you didn't know, I'm one of the founding members of Unique Implant Training. Unique Implant Training is now in its fifth year, and we are now fully EDUQUAL accredited to diploma level, which is an 18-month diploma, the only 18-month implant diploma currently in the UK. So if you want to begin your implant journey, please don't hesitate to give us a call. Find us at www.uniqueimplanttraining.co.uk. We look forward to seeing you soon. I think if you if you don't discuss about the issue, it's just going to carry on being an issue, probably get worse at some point, and then it erupts and it's just going to... It's worse doing it that way. No, I think you're right, yeah, isn't so it? Because sometimes small things... You lip think, it in the bud. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of... Oh, I don't want to make a fuss about that because oh, it's not yeah. a big thing. I've, I've definitely been there. But where because it, just it happens on and on yeah. and on, regularly just, irregular. Yeah, the frustration. You're right. Exactly. It builds up, yeah. doesn't it? And then it's like a it volcano. Me, it can be from either side as well. Like, oh yeah, there's something that your trainer could do to piss you off or something. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, do you know what? I would just rather sure. say it. Yeah. Uh, but the question I would always ask in that situation is, do you think they're doing it to deliberately annoy you? Sometimes it felt like that. Honestly. Exactly. You will let your imagination. That's your imagination. Oh, man, it no, is. No, I get that. You're right. This is the whole point of this is just like understanding people, understanding the difference between the generations. So, Who has tell- time to make you feel annoyed? I, mean, I don't think that's a, a, top, <laughs> a top priority, to be fair. Think of it that way. No, no, I get that. <laughs> but like when you're in that environment, yeah. you know, because I, I, at one stage, I was the principal of three practices. Yeah. So in the sense, that's so seven days a yeah. week. So that, that's where the eight. eighth day was needed. <laughs> yeah. So in the sense, um, you know, just managing people is difficult okay. enough. And then this is, the, and this is the reason why this podcast exists because yeah, yeah. recent times I've come across young dentists who, you know, just don't wish to work in the same way. And this is what it's all about. So this is, you know, I we need to, I need to understand this. I need to understand sure. Generation Z, basically. But, you know, before we even go there, I mean, you, you, you've already told me a little bit about it. Let's talk about me. <laughs> Let's talk about my generation. Let's talk about a counseling session X. now, guys. <laughs> That's it. What's Generation I X? I might have to let you deal with this because, you know, I don't know if I've got enough uh, time no, or expertise. Joking. Tell me about me. Go well, on. I don't know. Where are you? Are you so I'm early 80, Generation I'm 81 X, born. Oh, right. So you're quite on the cusp of, yeah, not, well, okay, 81 born. So 20 years later, you're entering the world Yeah. just as the Millennium Bug was hitting. Yeah. Now, do you remember the Millennium I Bug? Do. We had the adverts. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God, yeah. all the computers are going to shut down. It was going to Because they've only ever had two digits to 99. Yeah. Yeah. When it goes to zero, zero, all electricity will stop, society will collapse. And for years before, they were saying, get your computers and systems, uh, millennium bug ready and da, da, da. And I remember watching the telly, this is how bad it was then, of, you know, like New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. and it's like Sydney and Tokyo were the first because they're up 
on the other side of the world. So their timeline goes yeah, 1st first of January of, yeah. 1st. Let's watch their firework display. We were all watching midnight New Year's Eve. Let's watch all the lights go out <laughs> and see total darkness because that's what's going to happen to us 12 hours, hours later. later yeah. And we can, you know run out and buy toilet rolls and bottles of water <laughs> and tomatoes or whatever the shortage is. And, and nothing and happened. We, really. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. All the lights yeah. stayed on. We watched it and we're like, oh. But this right. had built up for ages. So yeah. there was an anxiety there. You would have been analog before then. Yeah. Uh, Wi-Fi, the internet had only just got going. Yeah. Never mind Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi came after I got my that. first email address uh, at my first year. <laughs> Yeah, university, because we needed one. We were allocated one. I hadn't come across email before then. We didn't have internet at home. Uh, social media, Facebook was something that came in 2004 after I graduated. So I didn't grow up with that. So it wasn't integral to us keeping together, you know, as in like communicating with friends. We just had phones and we text each other, yeah. you know. And even that was a new thing when I was at college. You know, so press the press the button loads of times to get a letter. I I had a pager, and that was like amazing. Yeah, the Walkman cool. as well. Yeah, yeah, we're amazing. She's just ripping you to pieces <laughs> here, pal. Sure. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> this is what it's all about. You know, I'm, I'm used to it. I'm, I'm, I'm just developed immunity to it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that that that's you know that's Generation X, right? Yes. Well, yeah, and there's another thing where they. The trouble is they try and split it up where there's a transfer over or whatever. Mm. But in general terms, uh, your typical characteristics would be um, you're fairly self-driven. Your parents might have had some hardships just before that because that's when we had all the interest rate cuts. We actually had a three-day week and power cuts and all this kind of thing. So you would have been you would have had the emphasis of being self-sufficient, working hard, being adaptable and flexing. So that's that's a big difference to the baby boomers, for example. Mm -hmm. So you would have taken any job. You would have worked two jobs in two different places and not moaned about it because mm -hmm. you were just glad that you could earn and learn and, and do all this, which is probably why you took on three practices at one point. But anyway, nothing wrong with that because mm -hmm. that's what people do sometimes. But so you did that. You didn't moan. Um, you slightly thrive from it. But, yeah, the X generation, they quite like – Give them a task and give them the freedom to get on with it. Don't say this has to be done by then or this or that because that could be out of sync with what you do. So they tend to be pretty good that way. You Also, you're at that level of some people do have maybe not just the parents become dependent, but paid for childcare came in then. And that might have been important for work or mm -hmm. looking after the so kids. That so that wasn't a luxury before? No, no. No, the baby boomers, you know, one person could earn everything, yeah. family or neighbours. Yeah. Kids are going in and out of each other's houses. There was a bit of that in my uh, childhood, you know? actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, you're yeah. in that, do you know what I mean? But as you transfer over, and it depends, you know, your neighbourhood, your culture, what mm. that was like. I mean, my heritage is Irish. Mm -hmm. oh my God, they're inside, in and out of each other's houses. That You had no privacy. Yeah. So when you get them in the morning, you think, who the hell are these people? Like Indians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a bit, isn't it? It's like, your house is my house. Yeah. I'm like, no, it yeah. ain't. Get out. You know? But it's like, you're just the, the young person. You'd have no say in this. Yeah. But it was also nice because there was always someone to keep an eye on yeah. everyone. And if anyone yeah. was ill or whatever. And I think that's very missing now from mm. the culture. A lot of old people here feel on their own. The it's relatives sad. are too busy yeah. working. They haven't it's got, ta you know, if they can visit them twice a week, it's like, oh, you're doing well. And it's like, oh, that, that's not as good. So we're all busier. Yeah. 
and that that is that adds to the the stress what whatever generation you're in but it depends where you started from so you probably have this you know work ethic of get on with it slight insecurity so you worked harder just so you had some in reserve mm-hmm. not saying you i'm just saying no, the I generation this 150% is that a tear and no, 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 no. Honestly, no, just, he's speaking to me. He's if you can, if, if some of these are to Dick the voices. listeners, yeah. ticking boxes, that, that's normal. You know, yeah. in just you, that's normal. Um, and Rainy so, so fun. yeah, you're juggling with a lot of things. Mm. Um, but you don't, as a generation, collaborate and work together as well as uh, X and Y, the millennials, and uh, sorry, as uh, Y and Z, uh, the millennials and the Zoomers. Mm. They collaborate a lot better mm. because they started out like that. And they were better connected with the internet from the beginning, you see. That's mm-hmm. the difference. They will have friends. I remember my kids who are now in the 20s. They would be 14 or 15. They'd be like, yeah, I'm talking to uh, whatever in MSN. Russia. MSN. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> You're just saying that, aren't you? So, yeah, I remember yeah. stuff like that. No, they, they were on programs that are now become mainstream that I hadn't even heard of. Mm. Um my kids started introducing me to cryptocurrency. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And they're like, oh, it's tokens on a game and you can buy this and you can buy that or you can buy a shield, sell a sword, whatever, tokenization of things. Now I look back and I'm thinking, oh my God, they were so ahead of what has now kind of got into the news mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. okay, people maybe mess with it and don't understand it and lose money, whatever. But this was going on. But because it was globally connected, they were connecting with the world. I wasn't. Yeah. I thought I was good having Wi-Fi and just connecting locally. You know? mm. So so their collaboration and connectivity is far greater than ours was mm. and sometimes is. And in fact, one of my middle kids now has gone to America to live, lives there, and his five best friends there, he met them all online. And they go out, well, they go duck shooting at the weekend and all this sort of thing. So, you know, he works in town, sells car parts, because I was trying to convince them. Well, I offered them all the opportunity to do dentistry. And no, it just didn't well, set them on fire. The would you still do it now? Sorry? If you had kids now, would you still? Oh, I would always expose them to it. Um, because I think you've got to love it to put up with all the stresses and strains and mm. hassles that go with it. And unless it already sets you on fire, then I think the negative stresses might actually win. And I wouldn't want to put anyone through that. Yeah. Uh, but, we thought, but again, we were lucky we could let our kids be exposed to, I don't know, music, sports, uh, different academia stuff. Not in an Asian household. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that briefly last time as well, didn't we? Yes, and, yeah. and interestingly, culturally, they might go, oh, to be successful, you have to do this. And it's there's not there's a narrow lane they want you to go down. Yeah, I was never exposed. My parents do do something, do whatever you want, but as long as you're financially stable at the end of it. So I just chose dentistry. After yeah, that. but that's the but, isn't it? As long as. As yeah. long as it's financially <laughs> As long as. As long as it's financially yes. stable, which I feel like is a must, really, mm-hmm. in any profession. Well, it's get. sensible. And yeah. I think definitely I've heard the advice of find something you like doing and find something that someone will pay you to do. Because if you like doing it most of the time. Does it feel like work? Yeah. Well, it feels less like yeah, work. Okay. You see, and one, therefore... one thing I've heard a lot recently is, you know, follow your passion, follow your dreams. And <laughs> if you basically do that, then money will look after itself. And, you know, I don't know if that is a Zoomer thing. Because for me, it's kind of just like, <clears throat> listen, you need to find something that's going to pay the bills. And you need to knuckle down. But you if you've got the passion there... Now you see his Generation X trait of, of being slightly insecure. Yeah. Get a job, make it pay. Get two jobs if you have to. Yeah. 
is there. That's in the background always for you. Yeah. If and it, it wouldn't is. matter. You could sit here now and say, Tony, I've got 10 million in the bank. It's fine. I've got, yeah, it is. But those traits will still Tony, influence you. Yeah, you're so right. And, you know, I mean, I don't mind being open and honest because it's not uncommon knowledge. I am not the owner of three practices anymore. I only own one now. I am financially secure. I'm not saying you got 10 million yeah. either. No, I was no, just I exaggerating. It's 20. It's 20. I really yeah, haven't sorry, got 10 I, million. Yeah. I really haven't. But no, I am the most financially secure I've ever been. But in the back of my mind, Tony, honestly, I feel like I could lose it all tomorrow. And, and I feel like that as well, especially since COVID, because, you know, we were talking earlier about has COVID changed things? Yes, it has. And you were saying, hasn't that made you relax more and appreciate life more? No, it hasn't. It mm. made me think, man, you know what? I could still just lose everything. If I can't work tomorrow, my business can't open. Like we couldn't open up for three months during COVID. I could lose everything. So I need to have a rainy day fund and I need to have something but I can rely on. You, you'd still have the skill set to be able to, you'd still be a dentist. You'd still have the skill set. You know, you probably would have earned She's as talking much. like a Zoomer now. But, 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 <laughs> no, this is why you're here. This is so interesting. But you know, it's, it's. Because guess what? Yeah. Zoomers have more optimism. Right. You pessimist. Generation. <laughs> but the psychology behind it, you know, you've just said it to yes, me. You know, absolutely. you've said it how like, you know, there's that anxiety there that one day you could have nothing. And that is me. Sure. Where's now I, I think everyone has these fears and worries sometimes. Yeah. All kinds of things. You know, if you have a nightmare about, I don't know, someone you love or a family member suddenly not being there, or you know, people have these intense moments sometimes. But twenty four hours later, that should go. You get the idea. When mm. it sticks, then it's either a generational thing, an experiential thing. Um, if you ever watch Dragon's Den and stuff, yeah. uh, you know the guy, Peter... Which one? Oh, what's his surname? Anyways, he's one of yeah. the more famous ones. He's been bankrupt about four times. Mm -hmm. He's one of the most successful business people ever. And it's interesting when you look at the, uh, the dynamic of optimism. Optimism isn't just a blind... Oh, it'll be fine. Follow your dreams. You know, it'll mm -hmm. all work out. That, that's a nice thing, you know, to write in a card. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it lacks the detail. And what optimism means is, is if you, you struggled, you come across a hard time, something unexpected happens, you, you recover and then you try again. And it might be the same thing in a different way or it might be a totally different thing. And if that doesn't work, you try again and you try again and you try again. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't know if I could go through four bankruptcies and then still come out with being one of the most successful multimillionaires investing in other people's businesses. Well, I think if we bring that to our profession, let's bring it to our profession now. So we talk about pessimism. I would never put myself down as a pessimistic guy, but generation, generation <laughs> X is pessimistic. We have, need to have this rainy day fund. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. This is a Zoomer who's optimistic, right? But now when we start looking at the clinical aspects of things, I'm very, very willing, and I always have been, to just give it a go. And if it messes up, you know what? We'll learn from that experience. Whereas the newer generation of dentists <clears throat> is not really willing to take risks, you know? You're Do right. You now, now, another trend with millennials is um, um, they're sometimes called the Peter Pan generation because they stay in... They're perceived as staying in their childhood for longer. They resist making decisions for longer. They tend to get married later and have children later. Mm. And again, some of the older generations might look at that as being, you know, indecisive, unsure. You can't get them to commit or make a decision. But actually, 
they like to think about things more, work out. The worst thing you can do to a millennial is give them three choices because they'll be like, oh, and I have to go away and work out the pros and cons of each one. And then, you know, maybe ask my friends, you know, do a little survey, uh, come back to it. Is there anyone who's done well with this or better than that? A lot a year later, they still haven't made up their mind because they don't want to make a wrong decision. Mm. So they want to get things right first time. Is again, as a trend, bell curve distribution. Mm-hmm. This this is very much instilled in them. And some people think that's because because um, their parents were actually the baby boomers. So when they had the money and cars came in and everything, they got driven to school. They didn't walk to school or ride a bike with no helmet to school like the baby boomers. Yes. Do all the health and safety dangerous yes. stuff, you know. They wrapped their children in cotton wool. They delivered them to school. What time you finish? I'll pick you up. Right, you're going to a club or a, a group meeting. Mm-hmm. Fine, I'll meet you after that. Don't be late. Where are you? Who are you seeing? What are you doing? You know. So they became kind of wrapped up. And some people feel they're a bit either self-centered, can't make decisions, take a long time to commit. Yeah. But when they do, they do. Yeah. But they want to do it once and they want to do it right. So they won't do this. Oh, well, we'll just give it a go and see how it goes. And if it doesn't quite work out, well, we'll learn from it. And on top of that, they don't like that. The fear of litigation on top yeah. of that. There's all of that. As, yeah. In dentistry, yeah, there's all, all of that. that. Yeah. But in life, in general, yeah. they want to pretty much make the right decision. So they're much better off with a binary decision where one decision is obviously not good for them. Yeah. <laughs> that's their ideal. Right. Now, life's not always like that, but you will find that's whereas... You know, Generation X and the baby boomers, you give them three options, they'll in their head work out which one and they'll go, well, you know what, I'll try this and then if not, I'll come back and maybe I'll try the other. Yeah. Millennials won't do that. On average, they won't do that. They'll wait, they'll delay, they'll analyse and they need something to make one or more and clear where does cut. that come from? Does that come from the parenting of that it, generation? It's a little bit where they've because they've been wrapped up in cotton wool, yeah. in theory, and because they've been, you know, delivered to school and looked after and they've never really wanted for anything if they wanted an ipad they got one when they came you know um they have become a little bit self-centered relative to the baby boomers relative to the baby boomers (laughs) relatively self-centered uh and so they think well what's best for me and they'll ponder that because they don't want to get it wrong yeah so it's that fear of getting it wrong that holds them back Mm -hmm. not well, isn't it great? You know, we might think, well, isn't it great? You've got three choices. You know, especially when it comes to careers, it's like, yeah. hey, you could do dentistry, you could go off be a mechanical engineer, you could go do an apprenticeship, be an electrician, because you know what? You're probably going to earn just as much now because there's a shortage <laughs> of these. And, you know, you give those three choices to like a millennial career, and they're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. And they'll go off research, they'll ask, and they'll get stuck in an, and they'll make a decision yeah. a little bit later than most yeah. would. Definitely. You I know, can relate to it. I can, whereas I can, you might go, well, I'll give dentistry a go. If that will work out, I'll go sideways yeah, and be an electrician. No, honestly, <laughs> I, I can so see this. And, and you know, from my experience, because I, I, I uh, finished uh, being a trainer, foundation trainer in 2019, I think. Okay. And just I, before COVID. Just before COVID. He didn't want to take me on because we had before, this conversation. Because I knew that she was going to qualify. <laughs> she wanted a job. I was just like, I'm not taking her on. No way. I need to finish this now. No, not really. Obviously, not really. Uh, no, but just like what I did notice that towards the end, it was a case of I just knew maybe around the 2008 to 2012, 13 mark that 
they're going to do VT and then they're going to become an associate. Very rarely they're going to go into hospital, but they knew what they wanted to do. And then slowly, slowly it was a case of, oh, well, I'm not sure if general practice is for me. I might want to go into specialism or should I go back into hospital? What should I do? And it was really much, very much. Got three choices. It was just like, it was a very, very big thing about the next step and a lot of indecision. And again, it's not criticism. It's just an observation. But yes. there was a lot more, well, at the end of foundation training, I don't really know what I'm going to do. Hmm. I just don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm just like thinking, to me, it's quite obvious. Just go and get a job, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's simple, yeah? Yes, <laughs> it is. And, and this is it. And then you're yeah. looking at me now and having this conversation. It's kind of like that simple, yeah? And yeah. it's just like, for me, it really was that simple. Yeah. And this is the interesting conversation that mm. we're having that, you know, that's We're, the different generational yeah, approach. Just a yeah. question to you, Aman. Yeah. So you talk about being committed to the profession, doing seven days a week. So would you say that I'm less committed to the profession? No, than you not are? at all. I'm not. No, saying, I'm not, I'm not I'm just, yeah. just a question because I was asking because I don't feel like being working four days and doing all the extra. I don't yeah. think I'm less committed to the profession. No, not I, at all. I don't think you're less committed you to the profession. Yeah. yeah. I, what I'm observing, and this is what we will talk about last time, is the bulk of the dental workforce or the bulk of the dental services in this country is the NHS. And now we're having this recruitment crisis because we have these big multi-surgery practices, which are like, you know, five, six chairs in it. They've got like UDA contracts of 30, maybe 40,000 UDAs. And, you know, historically, my generation would happily go in and do six, seven, eight thousand UDAs a year. I'm not saying that's right, you know. I mean, uh, we had a conversation with Alex uh, Asquith about, you know, getting into uh, trouble doing loads and loads of UDAs and, and, and cutting the quality of your dentistry. So I'm not I'm saying that that is the right thing to do. But what I'm saying now is, you know, we have a generation now of dentists who are qualifying and they don't want to work like that. And rightly so, power to you. We don't want you to work like that. But we've still got the problem that the NHS, uh, you know, dental practices have those contracts and they have to deliver those contracts, you know. So yeah. something's got to give somewhere. And to answer your question, because he was being very nice and polite, I think baby boomers and Gen X would view you as being lazier than them. Yes. Mm. I'm not saying it's right. <laughs> yeah. But it's, again, it's a perception thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And because if all they're measuring is time in, time out, number of hours in a week, yeah. less than what they do at your stage in yeah. career or any stage. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, of course it's going to fall short because it's just technically yeah. at lower hours. But it was really interesting. Now, you just slipped it in in a sentence there, like, given all the extracurricular activities I do. Yeah. And so your job is to communicate that yeah. to the older generations who either, you know, might be part of the people who you work with, line yeah. managers, or even just family yeah. members, you know. Yeah, no, they, like, for me, that makes that makes complete sense is I'm saying what I was, what I was trying to get across is mm. that People of my generation, people of even in my cohort in university, me doing all this extra curriculum, I was like, why do you do all of this? So yeah. I, if anything, I was considered doing more so than anybody yeah, else yeah, in my year. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's quite, I just wanted to see the, the narrative. You no, know, your, 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 your question to me was, are you committed? Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think you're committed. Of course, I think you're committed. Do, do I think you're lazy? I don't think you're lazy. Not at all. I, I, it's kind of just... I've you got know. here before you today, just saying. And, 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 if, <laughs> and if he did, it wouldn't matter. It would, yeah. yeah. Actually. Yeah. No, I don't, and, and I don't think you're lazy, but I, genuinely, and I think this is a generational thing, and, and I talk about this with many, many dentists who are my age, that, yeah, that the, the younger generation 
do not maybe want to work as hard as we did. And, you know, it's, you know, please, it's, it's not criticism. No, no, I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I was going to say it's that observation. working hard in the number of hours, but mentally yeah. it could be that I'm trying to do, be more of a perfectionist okay. and not just give something a go. So for me, that's more... I see, that, that's an interesting, yeah, go because on. it is this, we, and we've got this dilemma in dentistry, you mentioned it with the UDAs, quality versus it's quantity, quantity mm-hmm. yeah. isn't it? And that's yeah. always, oh, it's like a tug of war on us, really. So Where do me, we go? And... The NHS is all target-driven. That's why yeah. UDAs are so bad. That's why even Parliament's own Health Select Committee, even in 2008, condemned them, said targets are bad in healthcare. This is why, because yeah. it's quantity, not quality. And yet, <sighs> Department of Health's kicked the can down the road because the Treasury loves it, yeah. basically. But it's at our expense, either our health expense or mm. the stresses it brings. Yeah. And I don't see our younger generations coming through yeah. who look at this objectively. They're coming in at the bottom rungs of the profession. Yeah. They're seeing all the people who've been languishing on waiting lists for two or three years, high needs for three years. Yeah. It's untenable. It yeah. just is. Now, of course, a lot will get done and actually is being done um, for them, but they don't see them still doing that in 20 years' time. They aspire for something far better qualitatively and what the younger generations have absolutely nailed is that quality of life and work balance yes they recognize the importance of that and they're determined to make that work yes so when people say you can do anything you like you know what they want that so much that's ingrained in their generational output yeah whereas for us we sacrificed ourselves for the extra hours and quantity because A, we thought that was the right thing to do mm. and B, we were a bit insecure. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to build up, you know, a buffer zone or whatever, but we were insecure because of what had happened before, mm-hmm. you know, and so on. So what's interesting is the young generation's the most indebted. <laughs> yeah. um, can't really guarantee anything in the next 10, 20 years. Yeah. And yet they have this sort of wonderful... Uh, motivation and vision to get the work-life balance right, the quality of life, so that they can also enjoy work is fine. But they don't believe, as a generation, bell curve distribution, they don't believe that it's all about what you do. It's all about who you are. Yeah. Okay. And work is a part of that, but it's not the part. Mm. It's a part. Mm -hmm. And so when they leave work at... Friday, five o'clock, or leave work, you know, if they're doing shift work or whatever, it's perfectly fine to draw that barrier there, take a deep breath, reset, and go have family time, personal time, play time, interaction time with others, come back to work refreshed. And actually, that is a healthy balance. Now, where that line lies is up to you. Some people, and we see this on Instagram and whatever, it's like, hey, look at me, I've got a flash car, I've got this flash. You need to do that as well. And then they get stuck in the, oh, well, to do that, I'm going to have to do six days a week and I'm going to have to do this. And I'm going to, you know, and they get stuck in borrowing money when they're already indebted. Mm. And if they're not careful going down the slippery slope of trying to do high quantity, the quality slips a bit. And then the complaints come in two, three, four years down the line. And you've got to be very careful to get that balance right. So that's the danger I see yeah. on, you know, the Instagram uh, promotions sometimes are not they're not necessarily looking at coming back to people again 
the quality, the rapport of that patient relationship. I mean, I look at some composites that are put online. I think, wow, that looks like a, I couldn't tell that from a natural tooth. I have this slight irritation when I see stained fissures in a composite. Mm -hmm. I want to go fissure seal them because <laughs> I still think the bottom of a fissure is better slightly rounded and self, relatively self-cleansing. Yeah. And it's great to see all the tertiary fissures put yeah. in. It's yeah. like, no. And I know from my patients, if I put dark fissures in ceramic crowns, they'll go, oh, what's that dirty brown bit? Yeah. You know, I thought I was getting this night and... I don't stay in anything now. So it always makes me laugh when I see some people promote, and it is great to say, look at this tooth. I've done it A3 to match the natural dark, horrid dentition. Mm. And I've put these little crack lines in and look at me, dirty fissures that I've put in. Looks just like a, a natural knack yeah. of tooth. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> make it better. Do some whitening, yeah. do a bit of bonding. Just sit back, look at the whole thing. Mm. And you know, give the patient a nicer smile overall. Guys, as you know, I am the lead tutor of the Hedro Academy Vertical Preparation course. Now, we have put together this beautiful vertical preparation kit, which has been beautifully made by former dental supplies. Simon at Former has kindly agreed to give one lucky winner uh, of this podcast a kit completely, completely free of charge, uh, which retails normally at £220 plus fat. So all you have to do to win one of these fantastic vertical preparation kits is just give us a like, uh, subscribe to the podcast and share it and leave a comment below and we will pick one lucky winner every podcast and uh, Burkitt will be finding itself uh, in your clinic. Okay, so yeah, great guys. The Horacle Burkitt by Hedro Academy and former dental supplies. You're bringing up um, social media a little bit here. Now, we had a conversation earlier, didn't yeah. we? About um, the difference between uh, the generations in terms of... My, my question was to Iman earlier was, you know, we don't want to be taking risks. We don't want to get sued because we're very scared of getting sued. However, the younger generation of dentists all want to be composite bonding dentists. They want to do a line bleach bond. You know? Not all of us. <laughs> I was actually quite, 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 quite uh, interested to learn that because it was a generalization yeah. talking to dentists of my age saying, oh, well, all the young dentists now, all they want to do is a line bleach bond. Yeah. And, you know, that was driven by um, kind of like social media and the Zoomers growing up with social media. So how does social media impact upon dentistry? Mm. I personally don't like it, but it's very much part and parcel of of, of, of your generation. So please fill Tony in because that was a very interesting conversation that we had about the whole instant gratification. Why is it that young dentists want to do a line bleach bond? Uh, so uh, we had this conversation about, um, with them and I said, it's instant gratification. People want to earn the money quickly to be able to support the lifestyle that they want to le live. They want to get things done quicker. So it's just like, I want this done. I can do this. I can do composite. So why can't I do composite bonding? Come out of it, get the money that I need to go and go on that holiday to Bali or whatever it is that they want to do. And I think mm. that... Well, just don't go in school time yeah. and it'll be cheaper, folks. You know, we can do we can do a podcast on cheap tips, can't we? Yeah. And still work qualitatively. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was saying that people, uh, Instagram gratification, they want it. They want it. They want it. And when they want it, it's right now. So they want to do what they can do because uh, it is the it is the hype at the moment, isn't it? Composite bonding, align bleach and bond is kind mm -hmm. of the 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 go-to thing most people are wanting, they'll come into your practice and they'll be asking So if you look it. at your feeds, Instagram, whatever, 
how full of this sort of thing are they, would you say? Quite, quite heavily full, I'd say, man. Yeah. I've got a dental describe. I was saying, we have, I remember never posted because we talk about some trolls and some, worried. some of the old, worried and some of the older yeah. generation just being a bit uh, cr- cr- super critical, not yeah. constructive criticism. Yeah. Um, and Generational differences. Yeah. Yeah. To them, that would seem crass. Yeah. And it's not that one doesn't provide those options for patients. Mm. But when it seems to be only about that, yeah. then it seems crass. It's almost like, hey, you're forgetting your, pardon the pun, roots. Yeah. You're forgetting the perio, you're forgetting the carrier, you're forgetting the prevention. And and I hope they're not forgetting it, but you know, taking a picture of someone's improved plaque score yeah. probably ain't going to get that many yeah. likes is mm. on Instagram. Well, that's an assumption that those old people are making that we haven't stabilised everything else, right? That the old people are making. Yeah. The older, yeah. older people it. are making. Those terrible old people who've ruined the environment, bought the houses for two grand. We our lives. Yeah. And left us all in debt. So again, it's the which yeah. goggles you're looking yeah. through. Yeah. Mm. Um, because what you'll probably find is, I don't know, let's say there's a dozen people that give those sort of, shall we say, negative feedbacks. Yeah. How many older dentists are there? There's 40,000 odd in the register. Do you but see what I mean? They can hear. As a, of course, of course. As can any comment on social media. Yeah. And that's the thing about um, the Zoomers. And actually, there's another generation, Generation Alpha, that come after the Zoomers. So really? they're still Ooh. at school. Right. They're still at school. A lot. What are we in for? But their life <laughs> is online. Yeah. Online bullying is massively prevalent. Yeah. So when you said you don't like social media, mm. it's a communication tool. It's not. It's, people said this when the internet came on, and then they said it when people could have their own mobile phones, not have a wire attached yeah, to a wall. Yeah. And so, oh God, anyone can, you know, be mean to you and all this. And it's true. It it is sometimes used badly yeah. and for for bad purposes. Yeah. So there has to be different means of dealing with it, but. I don't feel uh, Instagram and stuff is bad. I think sometimes people get stuck in this idea of cosmetic dentistry is somehow superior to any other form of dentistry. And of course, what it is, is it's photogenic dentistry that's easy to show on Instagram, comparing plaque scores and improved perio can be shown, but it's not as glamorous. This Mm. is the thing I say is that my, all my work, I try to aim for it to be as aesthetic as possible. That, that's exactly. Just, that's that's just what dentistry isn't aesthetic. Yeah. And frankly, even an amalgam, you know, one sort of conscious just of carved not it nicely. having to, yeah, or <laughs> having a little blocker there so the yeah. grey don't shine through. Did or, you just say amalgam? I know. Shocks <gasps> <gasps> yeah. horror, and you can dentine bond amalgam as well. So it's not as bad as yeah. people make out. But the public pressure is for something that looks more natural. Mm. Yeah, and it's everything we do has a cosmetic element, like you say. Yeah. So. I think what it is, is if you were talking to your parents, your friends, people say, oh, what do you do? You said, well, I'm an NHS dentist and I treat gum disease and tooth decay and anything else I find. It's like, oh, right, okay. They probably just ask, you taking new patients. <laughs> but it isn't a, ooh, that's glamorous. Yeah. Whereas if it's like, I'm a cosmetic dentist, I'm an implant dentist, I'm yeah. a, you know, I'm super dentist. Yeah. And here's my Instagram feed yeah. or here's my thing to try and prove I'm super dentist. Yeah. And they might do some very good work. Yeah. Mm. But how many are showing their failures? How that's many are showing we said their difficulties? Everyone pictures probably about 100 about, failures yeah. behind it. Yeah. So once you realise that, there was a really famous uh, Instagram blogger. I'm sorry, I can't remember her name because I don't know her. But again, she's a Zoomer. Mm-hmm. And she has something like, I don't know, 3 million followers and all this. And she did a programme. And 
asking people, why did you like this picture? You know, why are you following her? Like, oh, she looks so glamorous and everything. She then showed how many pictures she took to produce the one. Mm. And she says, no, this is what I really look like. This mm. is what I look like from the side with the lighting here and the reflecting hood there. And, you know, and this is why it looks so, but that isn't normally me. She said, I had a few spots here and I was trying to hide them and did all this and, you know. Yeah. Um, and you're like, yeah, that's that's being human. But of course, mm. we all instinctively want to show our best, yeah. Yeah. be it on holiday photos or any other thing. Yeah. So if you can put it in the context of this is just someone showing the very best and we don't know how many failures they have and all the rest. And of course, it's bragging rights. But mm. once you realise that's what it is, mm. then hopefully you can put it in perspective. The problem is when that sets off others to copy. So yeah. the reason this this young uh, Instagram person who was very popular did this program was she realised, ah, others are trying to do the same or do more extreme things to get noticed. Mm. And that's when it can go into a not good zone. So, um, yeah, so she was showing sort of really why this is not a good thing. And I personally don't think Instagram and social media and everything is a bad thing. It's how one uses it, really. But uh, to say you're a cosmetic dentist, when maybe one's got less than, say, 10 years good, broad dentistry experience is probably what some of the older dentists will look at as, well, you could still miss ordinary things because yeah. you haven't quite got the experience yet. You're getting better every year, but, you know, and now you're going into the glamorous dentistry and, you know, the, uh, the Invisaligns and all of this kind of thing. Massive promotion out there. Mm. There's a lot of street cred when someone says, oh, I'm an implant dentist, I'm a cosmetic dentist. Yeah, I'm an Invisalign dentist. Yeah. <laughs> it's and it's like, I'm sorry, earlier. we don't have that on the GDC register. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but when you said earlier about the whole instant gratification thing, does that sing to the generational differences? Does, that, does Do the Zoomers need instant gratification because yes, of the way they Yes, because they're up? more collaborative, they work more in groups, yeah. and they need that multi-sourced feedback. Whereas you Generation yes. Xers are, you know, quite confident and that, competent that, that, on your own. That, what you've just said there, actually, that is one word which I found more and more and more from my FDs was, well, can I have some feedback on this? Can I have some? I'm just like thinking, man, it was a good amalgam. Just be happy with it. What feedback yeah. do you want? And, I, and, you know, it took me a little while to get my head around that feedback. So that's where it comes from, right? It's okay. like constant reassurance, really, yeah, that they're yeah. still on the right track and doing the right thing. And yes. I'm, I'm quite like I'm gonna lie. I'm quite still like that. Like I'll go to my principal and I'll like you said about you know getting somebody older to come in and just if a patient's being a bit like they, they don't like you know you don't feel like they're fully on board. Yes, just a second pair of eyes to say exactly the same as what you've said mm. can make such a world of difference. And yes, I think that makes a massive that makes a massive difference. Yes, well. I'm gonna confess something now live, right? And I can say this what, now. You're older than you look, or you're younger yes, than you I'm look. Eighty-seven. <laughs> the surgery was a success. Excellent. No, because I mean, the thing is, is that a lot of people don't talk about things. And the thing is, I'm I'm talking about this. This is the whole reason for doing this podcast because I want to talk about these things, you know. And you know, I'm an implant dentist. Mm. Yeah, I have my own implant diploma. Uh, and I started out in implant dentistry in 2009. I did my very first course, so I'll be doing it a little while now. And I didn't have a mentor for my first few cases. Mm. I just got on with it. That's unthinkable now, isn't it? It's unthinkable to think that you'd be placing implants without a mentor. It is. No, I'm joking. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's it. That's yeah, the, that's yeah. the joke. Yeah, but what I, would, well. what I would say to yes. you is... Well, I'm doing it right now, right? <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, like, but not every Without cases. getting into detail, yeah. presumably you took yeah. another responsible approach. 
and there were people you could contact if there, there was were. an issue. There were. And yeah. you probably went and watched others or learned from others. Or, well, I did a full year-long course. But... Exactly. So what I'm saying, it won't like, oh, I feel like just giving this a go like today and I don't know what I'm doing. No, so it's very different. No, it wasn't. Yeah. So, yes. so it was a case of, yeah, no, I started out with the with sure. what I thought was going to be easy and obviously anything yes. that wasn't easy, then I referred it. Yeah. Mm. What was and your first one? Let me guess. Upper premolar. Of course. <laughs> yeah, the upper left five. Of course, we've got to tackle the upper left five. So we did the upper left five and then that became anteriors and then, you know, sure. lower posteriors. Eventually the full arches yes. came. And listen, it's dentistry and mass, right? So let's talk about it. You know, I, then I got really emboldened and uh, I ended up doing 50 placements within the first two years, uh, which for me was pretty good. I know people place a lot more than that. I know people, there's a lot of people play, place a hell of a lot less than that. Well, we're talking quantity yeah. versus quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I ended up thinking, right, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tackle, <laughs> tackle that full arch. And that full arch was a disaster. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was an absolute disaster. I did actually leave the implant dentistry for about 18 months then. Okay. Yeah. But... That one case, and it was a disaster. I could refer it on to to to. I won't mention names, sure. but I referred to the people yeah, that, that trained me, to yeah. another colleague, and they rectified it for me, and everything was okay, and that's great. And you know, I lay in bed thinking, you know, first do no harm to the patient. That really made me reevaluate my uh, my uh, attitude towards risk, right? But then, doesn't that like feel like you? Okay, you left implant dentistry for eighteen months there. Yeah. I have that fear without even doing that. That if I do something wrong, if I fuck up in somewhere, yes, that that's gonna happen. That's that I'm gonna feel that way. So why would I do something? But the thing is, I, I suppose I'm just again coming from personal experience. And again, it's maybe a Generation X thing that there has been very millennial over there. Bit, the okay, that's, that's, no assessing yeah. it careful. Don't yeah. want to make the wrong decision. Yeah, won't make the decision till I feel it can be. And right. I suppose yeah. Okay, so so two things from that. That failure taught me the most I could have ever learned. You know, it, ta it, it, ta it taught me more than reading any textbook. It taught me more than standing with a mentor and having a mentor do it with me. It taught me, it, it really, really taught me my own limitations and what my glass ceiling, or bit, what my a, ceiling is. A bit say. of a reality check. Call it a reality check if you want, but you know. Um, and that's where it comes in. You say that, you know, you said it was a failure, but there's no, no such thing as failure, it's feedback. You, that's when we say that when we say that feedback the word feedback you've learned from that right that is the feedback that you've got from it M mr gen x yeah, here is really struggling with that i'm struggling with that i am I, he takes personal responsibility for it yeah he's made these decisions so it's all his responsibility yeah. and you are both correct because when you expand your comfort zone how are you going to get better if you don't expand your comfort zone and that's what i struggle with and it's and the answer yeah. is you establish something, get settled, get, till it becomes where well, you're not thinking about it the next yeah. day kind of level. Then you're ready to push on and do the next bit. Now, sometimes people do a big leap and that would be more baby boomers and Gen X because it's like, well, let's give it a try. I can always do something else if that happens. And it's not till it scares you yeah. <laughs> that you come back and go, oh, that was scary. I'm going to pause. I'm going to stop. I'm going to whatever. At the other end, generationally, a millennial would go, yeah, not only am I going to do a diploma, I'm going to have two mentors. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be really careful, yeah, yeah, even yeah. when I'm doing that first premolar and there's bags of bone, you know, whatever. Yeah. And once they do that first one and then once they do some others, it's like, okay, I've made the right decision. They'd rather over, uh, I was going to say over-prepare, but I mean over 
make themselves safe with extra help and support mechanisms. Whereas we're a little bit more, I'm willing to try something and take a risk mm. because you'd already done that and had success. And that was fine because the comf- it must have just been within your comfort zone. You went sideways, you pushed a bit more, you did more, you went sideways. But Until a full didn't. arch is a different thing, isn't it? Mm. To, to planning singles or several singles. And that's where you found your threshold and it scared you a bit. But because you care, because you care, you step back. If you didn't care, you think, oh, I'll do another one, another one, and maybe then harm multiple patients. Mm. And that's where I think people go wrong. So the feedback is actually a lot of self-feedback as well, self-analysis. I always say when uh, my young dentists go through foundation training, it's like, you are now running your own foundation training scheme. You're your own you know, observer, you're yeah. your own, mm, how far can I push this? But you still need to push, but at a pace that suits you and everyone's going to be different, so don't worry about that. You scared yourself slightly, came back, did the responsible thing. And I don't know, have you gone back and done another full arch? Or yeah, have you I've done routinely. There you go. Yeah. But do you see how that made you sit back, mm. reevaluate, do some more learning, get some support in place, do the next. And that first one will be even more scary because it's been a while and all the rest. But once you've done it, then the relief is, okay, my comfort zone, my competency zone has now expanded to embrace that. But people listening to this podcast, there's going to be ones that have perforated mm-hmm. doing endo. There'll be ones that endo. have I hate <laughs> break teeth as they're taking them out. Yeah. You know, there's going to be all sorts of separated yeah. instruments, you name it. You know, mm. there will be things that don't go to plan. But as long as you can learn, reflect, and actually improve from it in a controlled way, then you're okay. And I would love to see on Instagram how I how I dealt with something yeah. that didn't quite go right. Yeah. And certainly for those generations, that would be like gold, yeah. liquid gold. Mm. Because anyone can handle success. Yeah. Hey, I did this whitening and bonding yeah, yeah, and the yeah. patient was dead happy and here's my five-star review. Yeah. yeah, big whoop. You know, who can't handle success when it goes right? Mm. Yeah. What do you do when it doesn't quite go to plan? Yeah. What do you do that the patient you bent over backwards for in an appointment suddenly makes a complaint that came out of the blue and you didn't know what to do. You know, now who's going to sort of post that unless it's anonymous sometimes because it's not a nice thing, is it? But it's stuff we're all going to have to learn to cope with and that that is the normal part of dentistry. You just don't want it happening too frequently to put you off. Mm -hmm. So that's why if you go at your pace and work in a practice or a clinic or an environment where there is support there and you collaborate, communicate, the older generations, the younger generations, listen and understand each other. You may still work differently, mm. but now you understand each, each other, other and there's less barriers. And the younger generations can learn from the older generation's experience and how to get out of trouble as well. Um, but the old generations can learn from the younger generations how to utilise IT, communication, marketing, and how they should collaborate more. Because mm. the older dentists will be a little bit... What say secretive but insular? They're used to working alone. They're mm. not used to sharing and all that. The other end of the spectrum, pff, that's all yeah. they do. That's how yeah. they work. That's how they think. Do you think either of us, if we were in the same, if me being a millennial and you being a Gen X, would get to the same goal at the same time? No, you will still because y- your, your background we, if, and culture will still dominate. Yeah. But you'll adapt. Okay. You'll adapt. So when you understand why he thinks things or does things a certain way, and he understands why you think and do things a certain way, when you come to do something that's that's a joint project or working together or whatever it is, 
you will then make the best of it. Because actually the best teams are multi-generational. The best teams, the most successful teams are multi-generational. Because now it's a bit like saying, I don't know, a, a soccer team has defenders and attackers and a goalkeeper and they've all got different skills. They've all got different ways of seeing things. You put them together as a team and you've got a bit of harmony and understanding there. Wow, you can beat anyone. What was the year Leicester City like? Won the cup and stuff and they just panned all the top teams. Mm. You know, one player of, I don't know, Arsenal or Chelsea or whatever was worth more than the whole Leicester City squad. But what they did was play together as a team despite being either different ages or different positions or different views because they understood each other and communicated that. So it's okay to be different. I think people get hung up on, we've got to be the same. No, that's boring. If you're all the same, you're just like robots. Yeah. So you've got different skills in a team. They come together in synergy. Yeah. And if you can harness that, you will have the most powerful, it doesn't matter, dental team, business, yeah. successful project. Yeah, amazing. Guys, thank you both today for coming and talking together. I mean, this is the reason why I'm doing this, because I really need to understand people. I really need to understand why dentistry is shifting like it's shifting, why there is so much dissatisfaction with young dentists, with the profession, and why the older gits like me just don't get it. <laughs> so, you know, admit, it's, it's, yeah. I'm yeah. learning, I'm learning. Yeah, we, I think it was quite an eye-opener for myself as well, as from yourself, Tony, just to be able to to see and understand a bit more about how I mean, and your generation work and stuff like that. Because for somebody who's younger, it's quite hard to see. You would see you as like, the cynical older people mm. in a sense. So it was nice to see where where some of that comes from, where how your traits come from, where they come from and why they come from there. So really, really inspirational for me as well. Mm. No, it's good. And, it, and it's normal. Mm. This is the thing. It's normal. It's just frustrating if one doesn't understand the hows and whys. Yeah. And the more you understand the more you can adapt and then actually utilize differences to get a better outcome together. That's the smart way for teams to work, Yeah, smart way for businesses to work and so on. And I think that's what the really big businesses outside of dentistry and so on, when they realize that, they then get different teams, generations together and they explore this and then they come out of it far more communicative and collaborative, which is a good thing. And to have the wisdom of many decades and the enthusiasm of youth together, you can do a lot. You can do a lot. So, yeah, don't be worried about generational differences. They're real. They're there. Uh, appreciate them, but communicate well so that they don't become a barrier. Yeah. Million-dollar question. And I know Go you on. can't answer it in a sentence. Where does that leave NHS dentistry? If we were organising NHS dentistry, it could be the most successful national-based health service in the world where the teams that work in it had the highest job satisfaction. Look at all the nurses striking, the ambulance workers striking. Now the junior doctors, doctors yeah, they've gone on strike. Why? Do you think it's just about the money? Do you really? We know it isn't. Mm. It's their working conditions, job dissatisfaction, lack of recognition, appreciation, help, career pathways. More and more crap's just dumped on them. Yeah. And it's out of frustration. This is the first strike nurses have done in 100 years. Mm. That has not been done lightly. And yeah. it is a massive, massive frustration of not being appreciated at work and having a constructive working ethos. And the managers are just constantly putting pressure on them to work in understaffed you know, wards and patients are not being cared yeah. the way they like to care for them. 
and they go home mentally shattered as well as physically. And they know they just can't keep doing that. And so they're, they're doing the opposite you should do. <laughs> yeah. So in that sense, they are dooming themselves. But it's not doomed because of the idea of having a, a national health service that's patient-based. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. You know, resource it, help the workers to have job satisfaction, help them to, to be well supported yeah. in there and have good communications and understanding. But again, it's very hierarchical, up and down, and unfortunately it's falling apart. And until they change the system, mm. it will continue to fall apart. And it's as sad and as simple as that. Is that on the horizon? Is change on the horizon to your knowledge? Well, there's a general election in 2024. So if they don't do something about it now, mm. they'll change government and see if the next one can or will do something about it. And if they change government and they don't do all about it, then, you know, you might be talking societal change. <laughs> this UDA system, though, this UDA system has been here since 2006. Oh, it was past its sell-by date, 2008. So this is where it's gone wrong. Yeah. Well, you know, um, guys, once again, thank you very, very much for thank joining us today. Us. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all soon. Eh? Yeah. Cheers. Brilliant. Take thank care, you. everyone. Thank you.